Hey, you're drinking house coffee, unfiltered conversations brewed at the intersection of real estate life and coffee shop service. We're Maggie and Rich, local business owners and friends sharing stories and welcoming you to pull up a chair with us. The door's always open. Let us pour you a cup. Have you ever found a song that is, that you just, you can't believe it exists? Yes, all the time. It's like the perfect song to capture a feeling or something going on in your life. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, I found that song the other day. Wow, we're just- I kind of knew it existed, but like okay. it was the right moment for me to grab onto it. It, 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 it just, it hit me. I want to know. At the right time. All right, well, last week was- a little gnarly at work, okay? Mm-hmm. And um, one of those weeks where like call out every day, um, just and things, just things, just lots of things. Going call out on. meaning things like wrong. people called out sick or yeah, come yeah, in, yeah. Come call call ins, if you will. Okay, call ins, you know, or people wanted to leave early or just like it seemed like every day there was something. Okay, on top of just different things going on. I don't even want to get into it yeah, for the yeah. sake of time and you know. It, these things Irrelevant. they come they come and go okay it's 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 the life of a small business especially a food service business so okay anyway point is it was thursday and things were particularly gnarly by the end of the day and then on the playlist that plays in the shop uh there's a few different playlists but on this particular day the song this song by the Decembrists came on now i've heard it before and every time i've heard it i've said oh, what a good song like can i guess what a cool song! The yeah. song. Um, I'm trying to think if there you would if you would have any reason to know it. Is it called Severed? No. Is it called? Um, <laughs> I think it's an obscure one. Okay. I don't think you'll. Go for it. Okay, let's just say it. Catch on. It's called Once in My Life. Okay. And the lyrics are, "Oh, for once in my, for once in my life." Could just something go right? <laughs> gotcha. And it's such a simple song because mm-hmm. he just kind of repeats that. And then there's this little like chorus bridge thing where it's just like, I've been waiting all my life, um, all my life. And then, uh, and then, and then he just repeats that like several times. And, but it's the way it's sung. It's so, it's, it's my new anthem. <laughs> it's my new yeah. anthem. So I've been listening to that on repeat in the car on the way to work. And, it just went, and now I've been listening to it so much. It's like in my head, you know. Yeah, I'm singing it in my head all the time, and it's just one of those songs. It's like I can't believe the song exists. It's just the perfect song. Yeah, for so many things that I that happened. Yep. <laughs> so that's what I've been listening to. That it that reminds me of a song, um, that really struck a chord with me earlier this summer, and um. I had just been listening to it over and over and over again. And um, I'm blanking on who the artist is, but the song is called Material Boy. Like a play on the like, on Material Girl? Yes. Vibe? But it's not like, Maybe doesn't have a... the same tune or anything. Yeah. Um, but it just it just talks about like, a life that like he used to have and like how he's changed and that he has a different life now. And the lyrics just are like, just like, like just pierced through me. I was like, oh my gosh, this Mm. is me. 
So, yeah. Cool. All right, I have to check that out. Yeah, have to check it out. Um, what have you been listening to, Maggie? Okay, I have been listening to a podcast. Oh, shout out to your other podcast recommendation because now Christine's on it, Scamanda. I know, she's been <laughs> texting me. She texted me last night and said she was listening to the finale. She's so funny. Which, you know, I, I feel like I'm a lot like Christine in the fact that I don't like gory things. Yeah. But I like, so like Scamanda, it, we talked about last week, is is a true crime, but it's not like a gory murder crime. It's like a It's scam. just such a human interest. It's like, a, yeah. So much so depends on the type of crime, I guess. Um, you also, I, I was listening back to the last podcast and you did a great job of sharing about that podcast without spoiling anything. <laughs> okay, good. So good job. Good. You were listening to? Not this command. No, I was listening Uh-oh. to when you described it in, oh. the, in the podcast and that's what got Christina onto it. But then gotcha. I, I was like, wow, she did a great job not spoiling anything mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> about how, what happens. Yes. Do you, have, um, do you have to listen to it? Yeah. It's that good. I don't know if I will, but I heard a bit of it and I looked more into the story. But anyway, mm-hmm. cool. cut you off. You were talking about a different podcast. So uh, the podcast I've been listening to is called Strike Force 5. And it's- I haven't heard of it. It's kind of silly and it's hosted by five late night TV show hosts. So <laughs> this podcast is hosted by- Jimmy Kimmel. No. Jimmy Fallon. No. Stephen Colbert. No. Seth Meyers and John Oliver. Oh my gosh. And one podcast. It's one podcast. Five talk each, show. Each each week is hosted by a different um host. Okay, it's not like a round table where they're all together. No, it is. Oh, it is. It oh, is. Oh, but they they take turns hosting it? Yes. They're all on every episode and they each take turns being the host of that week. The world is the, not ready. And oh, I just listened to the episode where they have David Letterman. Oh. And gosh. it's like, I like, I was just like laughing and smiling the entire episode. It was so good. I think David Letterman is hilarious. I've watched every episode of My Next Guest Needs No Introduction, the Netflix series nice. that he had. It's yeah. like so fascinating to me. He does a great job with his interviews and stuff. I <laughs> I can't believe that exists. It's Again, so, it's the same kind of the same thing. It's so good. So the point of this podcast is these hosts are raising money through sponsorships. Mm. So, so they have really high-end celebrity sponsors and that's paying their staff while they're on strike. Wow. So that's why it's called wow, Strike wow, Force wow. 5. That whole thing, dude. What a concept. That yes. whole thing is nuts. Yes. So wow. I when I listened to the first episode, I almost stopped listening to the entire show because it was really silly and really like, it was like a bunch of bros just like goofing off and interrupting each other and like just being dumb. Yeah. But like when you get through to the, if you can break through the first episode and just kind of get past all like the stupid sound effects and like the interrupting and like the bad jokes, when you get into the next few episodes, they're actually really funny. And you learn really like what I like about this show is that like you're learning things about like behind the scenes. Yeah. 
of their late night shows and like they're almost spilling like secrets without sharing names and like talking about like their first experiences and their this experiences. And then like the episode with David Letterman was just like gold. Yeah, because he's so like he's, he's like a, their they he's like the earlier generation. Yes. You know what I mean? And they're all kind of in the they, same they all, all five of those guys credit like their success to him. Right. So like it's just and David Letterman is like, he's like kind of, he he's, I don't know. He, I, I don't know if it's like a, an act or whatever, but he seems like the type of guy who's just like, please, you're giving me way too much credit. <laughs> like, don't, Yeah, I'm not that good. No, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know either, but that's, man, that sounds like it's worth. Definitely. I like worth, worth listening to. Things um, you didn't expect the writer's strike to bring you. <laughs> I know. I know. Wow. Do you know what the writer's strike is about? It's okay if you don't, because I, I kind of had to like research it. Well, I mean, it's like streaming profits are extreme, but not really passing down to There's that writers and production. So people. it's it's for the Screen Actors Guild and the Writers Guild of America. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. And... They are fighting for better compensation and working conditions, and um, they're as they're facing like their workforce being transformed by streaming services, but also they're being threatened by artificial intelligence. Oh my gosh! So that is what friggin' robots are coming. Yeah, dude. I knew it. So we can talk about that in an, another episode because I know you're really fired up about AI. But that is, I, you know, when I researched it a little more, I'm like, okay, a lot of people's jobs are kind of being threatened by AI and you want to be, be able to like, you know, nip it in the bud, so to speak, before it becomes like an even bigger issue yeah. down the road. I'm team anti-AI. Hmm, interesting. Spoiler I use alert. I use AI sometimes in my... Um, you know, in my work, but not like, I'm not creating fake photos. I'm just helping it. I'm asking AI to help me come up with like good um, descriptions and stuff. But I mean, good is subjective, I guess, but I've never read an AI caption or anything that I liked. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Including our podcast. For the first 20 Maggie. episodes, I used AI to help write our descriptions. I said what I said. Uh, but that's an episode for another, another day. Another day. <laughs> so this yeah, is episode. No, I knew a little bit about that. Okay. So. Yeah, I admitted it. We're in episode twenty-four today. How time flies. Yeah. When you're having fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hear that. We teased at the end of last week that we'll talk about. We would probably talk about thrifting. Yes. And related things today. Yes, I'm. And I think we will. Pumped about that. Because we've noticed that, I don't know, in our own lives, in your life. In my life. In your life and in your business. Yep. Even your business model is sort of wrapped around like the notion of thrifting. And being more environmentally conscious. Yes. And things like that. So, So there's that personal touch to it. I mean, I buy things for less yeah <laughs> I go to Marshall's Secondhand. and or it's been a while since I've actually shopped at a thrift store mm-hmm. probably 
But like, well, I think that's, you know, we said it before, you know, redecorating storied. We went for older, like Facebook Marketplace. Yeah. Would you call it, that's thrifting, right? Yep. Facebook Marketplace? Yep, Does that it fall is. into that? Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's on the docket. But as we were looking into it, we found some other interesting corollaries. Yes. I felt like, so. Um, well, I think this, what, what happened was last week, it was a little bit too early to talk about it because we were still, it was still like digesting it. But last week I had the opportunity to meet the creators of Cheap Old Houses. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You were telling me about that. It was such an amazing um, experience. They were the guest speakers at the Preservation Hall Merit Awards for the Historic Albany Foundation. Side note, if you have an old home and you are renovating it and you need period pieces to match the things in your home, check out the... Um, Historic Albany Foundation um, warehouse, which has old, like, it's literally a warehouse full of old house supplies. You name it, they probably have something there. Because, like, those things are tough to match. So, um, anyways, they they started Cheap Old Houses um, as a way to, like, bring attention to old sad houses that were on the market that they want that like had character and they wanted people to save them. So they would just find Zillow listings online and just like post the house, the price, the location. And just, it's just, it's literally just an Instagram account full of houses that are less than a hundred thousand dollars that are old have character and just need somebody to buy them and, revitalize them and love them. So as you know, I I purchased a old house in chicken the, coop. A chicken you coop. A, a chicken coop. <laughs> I, I, yes, sorry. I purchased with a chicken garage. coop with the garage <laughs> in 2014. That the house was built in 1910. Um and we joke about the house and you know how say that we say houses they have good bones. Mm-hmm. But our house had osteoporosis. <laughs> And that's the joke that we, me and Brandon have about our house because we, we, we thought our house thought it was slowly dying and sinking into the ground. And we were like, nope, we're not going to let you die. And we pulled it up out of the grave and like gave it new bones. <laughs> so beautiful. <laughs> it's touching. So obviously, I gravitate towards people like cheap old houses. And like, I, I just really, love what they are going for in terms of like they're not pushing new they're pushing like save save what's out there and keep keep the character and they they have an HGTV show where they help people with that exactly like buying a cheap old house and like fixing it up so anyway that i went i was invited to this whole experience by my best friend Allison who I met at Pottery Barn. So I met, I started working at Pottery Barn in, um, at Crossgates Mall here in the Albany area. Um, in 2012, 
<clears throat> as um, like a way to like I was really into interior decorating and I there's a service at Pottery Barn called Design Studio Specialist where you go to people's homes and you help them buy furniture. So I met Allison. We both worked full-time jobs and Pottery Barn was our part-time job, our fun part-time job at night. And so we would often be scheduled at the same time closing the shop together from like 6 to 10 or 5 to 10 or whatever. My very first memory of Allison was her meticulously explaining to me how to stuff pillows. And I remember thinking like, wow, this chick's really passionate about how to stuff pillows. And we just, we still joke about that to this day because she was like really specific and really like, you know. So when I moved on from Pottery Barn to work for um, this local builder, Allison and I remained really good friends. And she actually ended up... um, climbing up in the ranks, so to speak, to be a manager there up until this past year, they had to shut their doors um, at the mall and they relocated. And then when they shut their doors, they um, let everybody go and they're, they started new with new employees. Where's so, the new one? It's in Stuyvesant Plaza. Williams-Sonoma? Pottery Barn. Pottery Barn. Yep. Moved into Stuyvesant Plaza. Yep. Yeah, so West Elm, Pottery Barn Kids, and Pottery Barn Adults all closed at Crossgates Mall. And then... West Elm was in Stuyvesant Plaza. Did you mean... Did I say West Elm? You did. Did you mean Williams-Sonoma? Sonoma, Sonoma, Mm -hmm. Pottery Barn Kids, and Pottery Barn Adults. (laughs) Pottery Barn, the brand. Yes. We're all in Crossgates, and then they all closed one by one. And then Pottery Barn and West Elm opened up in... Williams Sonoma, in um, no West Elm. Are they together? Oh, I'm sorry. I have a. I'm. I'm misremembering. West Elm go- used to be in Stuyvesant Plaza. Y- yeah. And Pottery Barn is now in the where West Elm was. where West Elm was. Okay. Yes. 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 That's why there's That's that confusion. We did a pop up in oh. West Elm. <laughs> in West Elm in 2018, oh, more than oh, I one. I know that. Yeah, because they were doing this like local. They were doing this. Story like, did a pop up. Yes. Like local businesses were doing pop-ups in West Elm because they were trying to, you know, have a local flavor to things. Mm -hmm. And so we did probably one or probably two coffee and donut pop-ups out there. We were living in Albany and just doing pop-ups wherever we literally could. Um, Yeah, that might have been before we met or I'm not sure or else you just weren't. Yeah. You weren't there if you don't remember it, but. Yeah. Bringing it all together, dude. I know. Wow. Past lives. So. Long story short. Allison lost her job because the place in the yes, mall closed. Yes. So Recently. she's the reason why we were go I was at the Cheap Old Houses uh Preservation Merit Awards yeah. ceremony at for the uh, Historic Albany Foundation. Her husband Charlie's on the board of the Historic Albany Foundation. That's and super cool. I didn't realize all it's that. really cool. Um and Allison was telling me about this article that we are discussing today, which is the title. It's a it's a CNN business article titled Furniture Companies in a Rut as Fewer People Buy Big Ticket Items. And the article mainly focuses on Pottery Barn, West Elm, and Williams-Sonoma. True. So I thought it was really fitting to talk about it today. And 
I have a question mark in my notes saying furniture market crash. Because yeah. <laughs> like people are always talking about the housing market crash. Right, right, right. So I'm like, is there a furniture market crash too? Because we're, Allison and I were talking about like, okay, what is it that is making, Pottery Barn is, was such a huge staple for people. It was not out of the question. It's still not out of the question for some people, but it was, it was not out of the ordinary to have a customer drop 20 grand on one single order at our store. It was not out of the question. And that would cover like a room or um, a house. It would cover all um, the furniture, furnishings. A few rooms. Like, We'd probably cover like a sectional with some occasional pieces, maybe lamps, rugs, dining, dining table, and dining chairs. would Would be about twenty grand. No friggin' way, dude! Are you kidding me? No, no, I'm, See, not, I'm not kidding. Wow. See, Pottery Barn is the kind of store that I've literally never shopped in, although I've probably walked through it. Yeah. So it's hard for me to gauge, you know, how people relate to stuff like that. But that's because this is a different lifestyle. It's a different lifestyle. I used to save the Pottery Barn catalogs and like make collages of things, Pre- like vision boards. Pre- I was, that's what I was going to say, pre-mood boards. <laughs> yeah, like I did. Like I used to sit there and just look at Pottery Barn catalogs because they were just so inspiring and the spaces were so beautiful. And I always, before I worked there, I had always wanted to work there. So it was... I don't know. I've always been attracted to like yeah. beautiful spaces and things. So I guess so, but not the price tag because um, <laughs> I could I could never afford Pottery Barn stuff. Um, and anyways, the I guess the point is is like people aren't buying furniture like they used to. That's literally the first line of this article, and the author of it is Samantha Deluya, and this is from CNN, and this was just published in September of this year, twenty twenty three. So this is pretty current. And the basic premise of the article is is um, with like people when during the the, um, the the furniture market actually had a pretty big boom had a boom early in the pandemic because people were staying home and people were buying furniture. And I remember Allison talking to me about it because she was crazy busy at at the store because, there was so much of a backlog and so much of a delay on things because Mm. so many people were buying things and like what would normally be a six week or eight week lead time was turning into like a six month lead time because of like the backlog of all the furniture. And now there's becoming a shift in the furniture market because people aren't spending as much money. In fact, the article says that um, the the two retailers, they had a massive sales slump compared to last year. Um, they had a 19% drop in their second quarter revenue. And what's this other part of it saying? William Sonoma, which owns West Elm and Pottery Barn, reported a 20% revenue decline for West Elm and a 10% decline for Pottery Barn. And Wayfair, and which is an online furniture retailer, um, saw its second quarter revenue decline 3.4%. And Lazy Boy reported 20% drop in sales in August. So what does this tell us, Rich? 
Well, I mean, it could tell us a few things. The article... You, you have to take inflation into account, right? Like, okay. I think the point is that like people sh- spending is shifting across the board. I think all retail is is experiencing this at this time, and this article just came out in September. I think third quarter, like. Ends right at the end of September. You know what I mean. Okay. So that's where you get all these reports and things. Gotcha. That's why all these companies are probably reporting their their quarterly gotcha. things, and that's why this articles like this are going to spring up right about. Then when was that other one about? There was, we read one the about market the housing one? market. The housing that market was in one April, was in April, which is again same thing in the first quarter. So just people reflecting on that. But like this talks about mortgages, mortgage rates trending to twenty year highs, mm-hmm. and Luxury housing market remaining challenging. Are you talking about the CNN article? Are you talking about the the, okay? Um. So just like, well, you have to. I guess. I guess you have to talk about what's the correlation between people who buy furniture and people having homes or buying homes. Like this is linking. Home buying with furniture buying. That's what this article yeah. is doing. But I mean, you know, how many people do I... I'm at the age where I guess I know as many people owning homes and, and buying homes as I do renting. Like we're technically still yeah. renting a house that we could buy if we wanted to. But up until Oliver was about to be born, we were renting and didn't necessarily have a a, a plan for buying at the time, although we were kind of kind of talking about it right you know so like but we still need furniture (laughs) as renters so Mm -hmm. it's just like i don't know the correlation between buying furniture and buying homes per se surely there are other people who buy furniture so maybe it's the luxury furniture or the new furniture or that kind of concept that people are just steering away from spending more for things maybe this is it this is what I want it to be. Yeah, <laughs> people are moving away from spending more for things that they can spend less for and still get a good value, especially if they can get a good value. Right. I, I mean, Facebook Marketplace seems like it's it's blowing up. Yeah. Or just has has been on like an increasingly popular way of buying and selling stuff. So just I go there first for most things I that I'm, I'm looking for, business or personal. I know Christine gets. All of the kids' stuff on Facebook. Craigslist even seems like it's it's on the way out. You know, Facebook. Yeah, I was going to mention Craigslist. Has so taken over with with that platform, but I don't know. If that's that's my take. You're closer to the the whole influencer community, if you will, of people who are who are like promoting vintage or promoting thrifting or upcycling. Yeah. I don't know what words you know to use, but like a second hand the second hand market. Second hand, yeah, dude. What a handy <laughs> term. I think second hand market. Yeah. Um second hand and thrifting is having a second life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just made that up. Tell me more. Well 
you know, what I mean, when I was younger, it used to be kind of like embarrassing to admit that you bought something secondhand. So true, dude. Salvation Army. Yeah. Like it was almost like, oh, you can't afford it new. So you go to buy it secondhand where that was the case most of my life where I wanted to have, I wanted to be one of the cool kids, but I couldn't afford cool kid clothes. So I went and shopped at places like Salvation Army. And ever since I was like probably in high school, well, no, I got a job at American Eagle, my very first job, simply so I could have the discount so I could buy cool kid clothes. But when I was in college- Cool kid clothes. (laughs) That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Yeah. You know what I mean. I do. Would you rather have Walmart new clothes or or uh, or Salvation Army? I'd rather have secondhand. Clothes. As a kid. As, as a, kid, a kid, I would rather sure, have know. secondhand. Like, okay, this is like, we're going back to like young Maggie. This isn't now Maggie. Mm-hmm. But young Maggie would have rather had secondhand American Eagle, Abercrombie, <sighs> like cool kid clothes than brand new Walmart clothes. Work. I used to, my brother's girlfriend used to take me to the like Abercrombie outlets and we we would like scour through all the clothes. Even like I, I would buy things with like holes. Like the it was basically like the rejects of all the Abercrombies and I would buy stuff there that had holes and like repair them or like, you know, it, it would be sewn kind of yeah. off like the seams. But that's that's how much I wanted to have cool kid clothes. Got you. So I was, I was, I started at a young age, and then when, um, when I went to college, there was, I went to SUNY Oswego, and there was a thrift store right up the road from my apartment called Oswego's Best Kept Secret, and I would go there and and find clothes and shoes and stuff there too. That's cool. So that's it's in my blood. It's always yeah like what I've done. The secondhand vibe. Yes. Or and like value for less. Correct. Oh yeah. No less style. My just value. My college best friend Amy, who you know, I used to spend a lot of time at her parents' house, and her dad is a very. She's like, just like her dad in terms of like personality type, and he would always say, "Only suckers play retail," and I just remember him like, "You want to know why? Because only suckers pay retail," and like we just like would laugh, but I was like, "Yeah, he's right." It's just. Sage wisdom just <laughs> yeah sticks with you. Um, so yeah, I got a lot of really good advice from him. Damn, like, I'm a sucker, dude. Dang. <laughs> so my point is, I going back to this article of like the furniture market crash or whatever we're calling it. I think there's also because secondhand is having a second life. I think people are looking for furniture in cheaper ways they're willing to buy something used or secondhand not necessarily because i don't think their motivation is environmental i think their motivation is cost like you said there's less spending like a little bit of a recession in terms of like what people are buying and if they're looking for a piece of furniture the maybe they're going to try to find it online um, on Facebook Marketplace or at an estate sale for cheaper than they could buy it 
brand new at Pottery Barn or Wayfair. Yeah. There's few things more motivating than money. Yeah. You got to have a pretty strong set of values to carry you carry you beyond that. <laughs> I mean, even I think to make even, decisions not motivated by money. Even story just taking a a chapter from that, no pun intended, by selling books. Yeah, I mean, that's true. That's true. So like the book thing is is all it's all used. I, I, it's like twofold. One is one, twofold, right? One, I can't afford new books. Like I can't afford to stock new books because you got to buy in bulk. You got to have a bunch at once. You got to hope that you're going to sell that many. And you got to have relationships with all these publishers or vendors or whatever. And that's like, that's like a, a whole model. And it's already hard enough to sustain a bookshop, you know, no bookshop exists that just sells books these days. I don't think if you are shout out, (laughs) (laughs) call me up, let's talk. Um, so, but I'm also less interested in new books and I don't know why I've always been more just attracted to the used book store kind Mm -hmm. of vibe where you go in, you never know what you're going to find. You never know what era it's going to be from, or generally they're in good shape if they're in a store. So, there's just something about like cool old books or like they tell and and just because there's more you get you get more than just the story in the book you get the story of the book right that comes with it and you get to kind of write that story if you, you don't know wait, say that again <laughs> you get more than just the story you don't get the- just the story that's in the book when you get a used book right you get the story of the book because that particular copy imagine you you know you pulling off the shelf it's got an inscription inside Christmas 1825 which they used to do. They used to give books at Christmas all the time. And like, I say that because I've seen enough of these where I'm like, they write, you know, to Penny Mm -hmm. from Aunt, whatever. And it's just like the year they might write Christmas, blah, blah, blah. And so you get inscriptions like that or you'll find letters in there or something. And there's plenty of books on the show. And if I get those books, I just leave it. I'll leave that stuff in there. And um, again, you never know what you're trying to get the whole story when you, when you grab one of those. Um, if I, um, what I'll do is I'll keep the whole book. <laughs> if yeah. I, if I, I'm not just going to keep the letter, I'll keep the, yeah. if I want the book. I'll the letter it. gets sold with the book. Yeah, exactly. Or a bookmark. I'll right. leave it on the page that it was in, you know. That's cool. Um, Cause you get to like, this is why I like thrifting. And this is why I like cool. This is why I like old stuff. It's like, you don't know what that thing has been, been yep. here. It's, it's, it, that thing is older than I am. Yeah. You know, some of these, like, like the clock radios. Yeah. Just to give, just to give an illustration, right? I have a clock radio in the shop. It's the one. It's the only one that's currently playing music. It's actually not a radio. It's just an old boombox. But it's GE. It's from the eighties. It is. It's got. But it was my aunt, so it, like I have the personal connection to it as well. At least I, I, that's where I found it. Was in her her house. So point being, it's like there's a whole there's a whole history I can imagine when I look at that thing. And when I when I turn the knobs or turn it on or whatever, and it's like I can imagine the the use that people got out of this thing or, or didn't if it just right. sat around, <laughs> right? Right. And it's GE, so now I can like think about okay, well, there was an era where GE electronics were were everywhere, and all these different designs were coming out. So I just get to like imagine how people of the past related to this thing, and the same is true with books. Okay, 
bringing all that around to, <laughs> you go to a used bookstore. I mean, these are these are popular places. I, I don't think they're like, well, I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Often bookstores like that thrive in like high density shopping areas or like cute little towns that have a lot of little retailers, boutique kind of places or vacation places. Anywhere you're going to have a lot of people with money to mm-hmm. to spend. You know, it's yet to be seen how a, a bookstore like that's going to fare in Scotia. I'm still really in the developing stages. But all of this is to point out like there's something to the experience of getting old stuff in your hands and giving second life to something. I'm most of the old books I own I've never even opened. Yeah. You know, I just it was a cool thing to pick up and it was a great value for the price. So books these days are not like they're not they're not like furniture in the sense that mm-hmm. they can be pretty impractical to just be hoarding like yeah, I right. do. <laughs> right. But furniture um it is generally going to be picked up for a practical purpose or if it's furnishings it could be it could be decor items as well but mm-hmm. still the the aesthetic value of having it around. So yeah, I don't know. Is that is that different? Is that the same? Or is no, it all, I just maybe think it's all it's, one and the same? I think it's interesting how it affects both of our businesses. Yeah. How like used, used secondhand books. Like you are literally going out and searching for books. You are you are a, both a purchaser and a um, resource for secondhand books. Budding. Budding, yes. You. <laughs> you have quite the inventory, though. I know, it's crazy. It's so, crazy. I was there yesterday, last night, pulling... I'm pulling what I call fluff or crap mm-hmm. off the shelves. Okay. And if you are the... All right, anyone listening to this, if you're the kind of person who reads John Grisham or Dean Kuntz or Patri- Patricia Cromwell, if I'm getting that right, or Cornwell, I can't remember. Sydney Sheldon, um, who else? Dick Francis. If any of these names are like your people, please, please talk to me. (laughs) Because these are the kinds of books where these authors, to me, it's just like, I call them the Walmart specials. It's like, or the dollar, they're like the dollar store bin books, you know, they're, they're the books that are ubiquitous. They're on every time I pick up a lot of books off of Facebook or wherever, there's always a box of these kinds of books. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Um, somebody loves them. Yep. But it's not the people coming into the story. Like these are not the books I'm looking for. Like they just kind of come with the whole big pile of mm-hmm. books that I end up getting. But I'm, I can't believe how they're in every house. Every old person's <laughs> library <laughs> has a collection of all these kind of books, you know. And then I, it gets me thinking like, all right, why am I getting off on this? This is not even what we're talking about. <sighs> <laughs> anyway, I was there last night. I was getting all those books off the shelf because I'm trying to make room for the cool stuff. You know, the stuff okay. I think people are looking for. <laughs> but hey, if you do listen, if you do like those authors, you should make a dollar bin. Then I think I'm going to. I have so many of these. I think I'm gonna do. I've been having a couple ideas. Like one, I might do like a book sale, like a bag sale kind of thing. Yeah. Where it's like your bag has to contain two of the books from this table, and they're gonna <laughs> be like all those Dean Koontz and friggin' Danielle Steele books, right? It's like you need to have two of these books in your bag. Yeah. 
which is one good because you can take up space in the back, and yeah. two, it's like getting those things out of there. <laughs> yeah. Or they could just be on the. Yeah, you know, I could come up with like a dollar shelf. Yeah. Because I'd love for people to get them and, and like enjoy them or mm-hmm. or whatever, but they're not gonna they're not gonna move, you know. Hmm. Not at my normal price of three ninety nine. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> can't get me going about stuff like this. No, I just thought it was really interesting that like both of our businesses have a secondhand, um, I don't want to say market, flare. but flair to it. Yeah. That's a good word. And with staging, I make it a priority to purchase secondhand furniture um, from estate sales. So... A little bit of my inventory is from Marketplace, and but majority of my inventory is purchased from estate sales. Straight out of other people's homes. Straight, straight out of straight other into people's your homes. Home. And I use my best judgment. If, if the house is gnarly, as you say, or gross, I'm not going to put that, I'm not going to risk putting something like that in my inventory. Yeah. I'll, I like to shop like... Stuff like if if something's gonna go in my estate sales stuff, I want it to be reflective of like the quality of my business. So all nice stuff, all like no stains, no tears, no nothing like you know dings or anything like that. And um, that also, I think that when I'm staging a house with secondhand furniture. It has a more homier vibe. Hmm. People, when people walk into a home that's staged, and there's an element of familiarity to it, and it's got a little bit of use on it, that is more homey than a clean, sterile, gray and white yeah. picture of a room. Kind of overly modern. Oh yeah, so, sanitized. Right. So I think that there is a little, and there's also a story and a history with all those items too. Yeah. And you're giving them new life by putting them in. They, they get a chance to live multiple lives in different homes. And um, I like that about my furniture. I'm, I'm in the middle of staging a house right now. Um, immediately after we record, I'm, I'm going back up to Saratoga. I was hired by an agent to do the hybrid staging we kind of talked yeah. about. <clears throat> and... The owners no longer live there, but a, the bulk of their belongings are there and in their garage. And he's he hired me to stage the house mostly with accessories. And I'm doing bedding and um, like a ton of accessories, like plants and and bar ta- barware and living like coffee table, like the whole the whole thing. And I've actually, they have a ton of stuff in their detached garage and he gave me the code to it and I started shopping the garage for the house. So I was pulling stuff out of the garage. Yeah. Like there was this massive cast iron Singer sewing machine that I pulled out from the back of the garage and I brought it back into the house and I'm going to set it up in a craft room. And um, I found like a globe, I found a lamp, I found a trunk, I found a computer monitor, like a bunch of other random little things. And I'm sprinkling them throughout the home and kind of 
I like being able to use the owner stuff because I think it's reflective of like its personality. So that's cool. I've got I want, co- yeah. I wonder if, uh, I'd like to see an owner's face when they see their own stuff scattered throughout the house in a way that they maybe never would have envisioned, but you just, it's their stuff, but with your touch. I think it, about that It'd be too. fun to like get people's reactions to that. I think about that too. And unfortunately, when they're not my clients and I'm not selling the home, I, I don't get to see their reaction. Right. And that's the case with this home is I was hired by their agent and the agent liked it. Yeah. So that's a good sign. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Just something <laughs> thrown out there. I know. I would love to know. So, yeah, it's it's um, giving giving things a second life, giving second hand a second life. <laughs> maybe that's the title. Maybe, and I feel like maybe you should ask your AI friend what the title should be. Ooh, uh, no, maybe I will. Oh my gosh. But I think the answer to our question is you know, like for why is, why are we seeing a shift in this um, furniture market? Some of it might be due to a shift in spending because of the pandemic. But I think a lot of it, I think has to do with secondhand influence in the market. I mean, I can't tell you how many new accounts have popped up that I started following that are all thrifted accounts. Like come thrift with me and then you're like following them around in a thrift store or you're looking how, at how they repurpose something. I follow a lot of repurposing accounts. Um, a Beautiful Mess, Elsie Larson. I learned from her that there's a huge um, vintage rug market on Etsy. Like she sources pretty much all of her rugs on Etsy. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. I never knew that. Like instead of buying a brand new rug that is made from plastic, basically, why not buy a secondhand rug that's made from natural fibers like wool and cotton that like, you know, stand the test of time. And so that's something. And lighting fixtures. She's in the middle of renovating her new home and she's buying lighting fixtures, old vintage fixtures on Etsy. So, and when you think about it, you might think like, oh, wow, these things are so expensive. But when you compare it to what you would pay for something brand new, you're actually getting a good deal and you're actually giving something a second life. So I just want to encourage our listener that if like you're in the market for something to maybe try secondhand first, look look on Facebook Marketplace, look on Etsy, look on estatesales.net for local estate sales in your area. And if you think of the cost of something should be really cheap at an estate sale or on Marketplace, just think about, okay, when you compare it to what it would cost brand new, you're actually saving a lot of money. And it's in if it's in decent condition, you also get the satisfaction of giving that piece of furniture a second life. Keeping it out of the landfill. Keep it out of the landfill. I've been surprised. I, Because I know you're into estate sales and I've been to estate sales, not really the way you have and not lately, but I always had the sense of like, things would be mad expensive <laughs> at mm-hmm. estate sales. But typically it's a lot less expensive yeah. Than I 
would have thought for certain things that have yep. come my way in, in the last couple months. Yep. So do I just have the wrong read? What do you, do you, what do you find? Do you find that things are pretty I, I price think to move generally? I think there's a perception for estate sales that everything should cost a dollar. And if you're buying an that's antique... The opposite of the perception that I have. is, the, is Okay, well, that's My good. perception is everything would cost more than I would want to pay for it. Yes. But then I'm finding it's actually really affordable. Yes. So, like, I think people expect... Maybe this is an, a conversation for another time. I was say, maybe we need an episode on Maggie's estate sale hacks. Yeah, for, I mean, <laughs> I have so many I, I could share, but, like... Maybe they're thinking garage, like there is a difference between a garage sale and an, an estate sale. Sure. So maybe they're expecting yard sale or garage sale prices at an estate sale. But like you're not going to get something for a dollar at an estate sale. You have to, you know, go in there expecting to spend a little bit of money, but you're not going to spend the same amount of money as if you were purchasing something at Pottery Barn. You know, you kind of have to compare it to what you would spend at those retailers and then think like, okay, I'm actually getting a good deal, even yeah. though it's not a dollar. Well, I don't know. I don't know who you're talking to. I don't know anyone that would go to an estate sale and expect things for, ch- I mean, but again, I'm out of the thing. But like, okay, the chairs, the blue chairs yes. that you got at the estate sale. What was it, 75 Dollars. Oh yeah. So in context, like I, you were looking for chairs for storage, uh-huh. and we were going back and forth about like what to. And I found them. I found a, two of them at an estate sale, but they weren't pictured together. They were in different rooms. Yeah. So I sent that to you and Christine. What the price? There was no price. They weren't priced. Like on the estate sales app, there's rarely prices. You have to go to this. That's how they get people to the sale. Okay. So I think Christine asked. What would be a fair price? Oh, did she go that? She went she to pick went them up. Yeah, and I said to Christine, "I think if, I think it would be reasonable to get both those chairs for a hundred bucks total, fifty bucks a chair. I think that's that's a fair price. It, they were upholstered with some caning. They yeah. were a mat, They were in. They looked like they were in pretty good condition. So I was like, you expect to pay a hundred bucks for both of those, and she. I think it was less. She spent seventy five. Yeah, for both seventy five. I yeah. think I think she wrote seventy five, and then in, and then I replied like each, which is what I would have expected. This is the point I'm making. Oh, okay. I saw those two chairs, and I was like, oh, those would easily be going for seventy five dollars each, mm-hmm. right? And then she's like, no, both, both chairs for seventy five dollars. Yeah. I was that's like, what deal. are you talking about? That's a good deal. That's what I'm. That's is what that's yeah. exactly what I'm trying to say. Is like I would have expected. Those chairs cost seventy five dollars each at this estate sale because yep. they look nice, they're vintage, they're trendy, and then you got both for the for the yeah. one price. I'm like, so now if that was at a local antique shop, easily would have been seventy five bucks each. So, yeah, 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 yeah. It all so, depends. Yeah. That's a good point because that's, that's exactly it. So this is what I'm saying is like I think estate sales are probably more affordable than yeah. my perception. Yeah, but. It's not a garage sale. It's not a yard not sale a at the same sale. time. So you're gonna you're gonna pay seventy five dollars for yeah for a couple of nice chairs. But hey, hey, why not? All right. Well, I don't know. There's it's it's quite a phenomenon. It's 
quite a phenomenon. I would love to talk about this more. I know it's it's fun to talk about. Um, I guess I guess we're gonna wrap it there. I do. Yeah. Um, we got places to be. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. Well, next time we're talking about the rise of the robots. The rise of the robots. AI. All right. The secondhand thing, it's always in the back of our minds. So yeah, we'll, probably, we'll definitely you know, revisit it. It'll, it'll come back to us. But yeah, we're going to talk about AI next week. And there's a lot of layers to AI. So we're going to do a little reading up on, in the meantime, we got the, we got the writer strike as we were talking about. We've got, you go on Google and it's all, you want to enhance your search with AI and I'm all, heck no, but I'm going to try it out and see what happens. All right. You got stupid chat GBT writing captions for you mm-hmm. these days and paying people to do that for you. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. And then you got, it's all about optimization. Yep. Whatever, dude. And you got Maggie out here doing podcast descriptions. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do that anymore. I changed, for, uh, I, I changed the way I do that, but... I'm not gonna lie. I didn't really actually read most of those, yeah. so I'm not. I'm not <laughs> complaining about them. But I just, I'm the kind of guy. It's my secondhand nature, right? I'm the kind of guy who I'm like, give me the analog. Not that I'm out here spinning vinyls, all right. I'm not that, not that dedicated to the cause. But I, but I am a little bit more tactile, hands on. I'm like, show me the human originality, and you know, it comes with any finish. Comes with inefficiency, but that's how you learn something, you know. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. I Call me old school. Yeah. Well, I'm going to learn myself a You've thing or two You've always had dad vibes week, anyway. So. <laughs> What's so that? True. So I'm going to learn myself a thing or two this cool. week about AI, and we'll see how I feel a week from now. Yeah. Please submit your feedback and questions about, or experience. Like, actually, it would be really cool if, if our audience could express their experience with AI, if they have any at our email, housecoffeepodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like your story shared, we'd love to share it. Team AI or Yeah, are you team, team AI or team human? <laughs> team I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Thanks Catch for you hanging next week. In. Bye. Later. Bye.